Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Future Brew. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Joining me today, as always, somehow they managed to uh, get on the podcast this week, despite the uh, L that Michigan took. I'm surprised that I was even able to do this myself. Uh, this is going to be a, a very interesting podcast. John Simmons and Stephen Ostentoski. Boys, besides uh, the cold weather coming in and the Michigan L on Saturday, are you guys at least healthy? Otherwise, everybody good? Generally, yes. <laughs> Generally. What, yeah, yeah, okay. I would say so. I took a run, and I usually listen to music, and I just uh, fumbled with my thoughts throughout the run. So that's, you know, a healthy alternative. <laughs> John, how are you, my friend? Good. I'm worried now this time change is going to severely cutting into my outside exercise time now that it's dark before I get off work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that totally. I, I had to flip on my lamp uh, before I even stopped working today. So that uh, that was fun. Um, so, yeah, that, it sounds like we're all being negatively affected by pretty much everything in life right now. And uh, that's a good tie in to uh, what happened to U of M on Saturday on the football field, because that is negatively affecting not only just their standings in the Big Ten and their chances of winning the Big Ten uh, like they had any chances to begin with, but uh, it's definitely affecting things now on the recruiting trail, as I kind of expected, to be honest, because one of my first thoughts after that game on Saturday was, I wonder how this is going to affect the recruitments of both Rashawn Benny and a wide receiver commit, Andrew Anthony. And not really sure how it's going with Anthony at the moment, but Rayshon Benny, at the very least, a few crystal balls flipped over from Michigan to Michigan State, which is kind of what I anticipated happening. And uh, it definitely not good news for Michigan, considering that uh, they've been recruiting him for the entirety of this uh, recruiting cycle here. He's a four-star guy. He's an in-state kid. Uh, and you never want to lose in-state kids to your in-state rival. Uh, especially at a position of need here at defensive tackle. So uh, it definitely looks like uh, this is at least the first domino to fall here from Michigan losing to Michigan State on Saturday. It looks like that win was uh, enough to sway Benny's mind. And obviously it's not done by any means, but he will be committing next Monday. So by the time that we're recording next week, we should know where he's going to attend school. And at this moment, John, it looks like Michigan State's going to be that choice. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if this win for the Spartans on Saturday was that key factor for him flipping because it sounded like he was kind of debating before Michigan State even won. Yeah, I think it's easy to kind of fall into the habit of thinking, oh, it's the win is causing him to choose Michigan State over Michigan, he's just deciding based on this one game. But I think it's more that this was a pretty close recruiting battle for a while now. It's, you know, Michigan's had crystal balls for a while, but then there's that surge for Michigan State a couple weeks ago. And so I think he was really going back and forth. And before Saturday, it looked like Michigan had done enough to kind of quell the tide and uh, that he would choose Michigan uh, on November 9th. Uh, but I think this win just kind of tipped the scales back in favor of Michigan State um at the very end of the recruitment so uh just tough timing i don't think anyone really was predicting it so uh, you can be sure that mel tucker is was pitching it to him as hard as he could the that night or the next day 
uh, since you knew that it's a, basically a battle between the two in-state schools. So it's just another unfortunate uh, outcome of the game. Definitely an unfortunate outcome, uh, period. Uh, you never want to lose, especially a very talented kid like Benny. Uh, they've been recruiting him for a very long time to play defensive line strictly. They've been pitching him to play D-line uh, this entire cycle when other schools – uh, had originally wanted him to play O-line. Some of the schools at the top of his list had to shift their recruiting strategy to pitch that defensive line because that was his uh, preference uh, to play in college. He plays both exceptionally well, and it really looks like the Spartans are going to get a really nice player here uh, in Rayshon Benny. So uh, I, I want to move on slightly here uh, to defensive tackle just in general. It's – it's really just now between George Rooks, Benny, or, or nobody. And, uh, Stephen, I'll, I'll turn uh, the microphone over to you. Um, and not really much has been said about George Rooks over the last month or so. And uh, this is really concerning just considering how you have Benny so willing to, to flip pretty much from Michigan over to Michigan State. All the experts had Michigan with the crystal ball picks. And uh, there were photos of Rayshon Benny wearing Jumpman stuff at his game a couple weeks ago. And uh, now all of a sudden, uh, he's going to presumably go to MSU. Uh, now that George Rook seems to be the only defensive tackle recruit left, in my mind, you may as well try and stock up at the cornerback position, considering how bad the cornerbacks played against Michigan state and these very young receivers that state threw out there. Uh, they, their true freshman receiver is his name is uh, I, I think his last name is white uh, went off against uh, Michigan's defensive backs, whether it be Vincent gray or Jamon green, he was burning anybody uh, in Michigan secondary and uh, one co big 10 freshman of the week. He played incredibly well and was making very nice catches, uh, whether they were contested or not. Most of the time they were not, uh, but regardless the ability to do that and uh, really burn Michigan's defensive backs in my mind, Michigan should probably start honing in on guys more like O'Marion Cooper, uh, Sire Wright, instead of getting another defensive tackle like George Rooks, uh, considering that they've already got a few defensive linemen committed to this class. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Stephen, and if you think that George Rooks is a good enough player for them to pursue in if in the event that they can really only take a few more defensive players in my mind, I would rather as a Michigan fan, I'd rather have them stock up at defensive back. What say you? I mean, I would take both defensive tackles. I mean, honestly, you look at Michigan's defensive line right now, who's going to be there next year. You're, you're losing Quiddy pay. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is probably gone. You, you won't have Donovan Jeter anymore. Really, all we've seen is Chris Hinton. We haven't seen Mozzie Smith. They're, the two deep is extremely low. Jess Spates, another name we heard throughout fall camp. I don't know if I've even seen him out there. Um, there's just not enough bodies there. And regardless of what the cornerback position looked like on Saturday, we do have bodies there. We do. They haven't showed up. DJ Turner, haven't seen him yet. Selden, I've been very excited about him in the future. We haven't seen him. I know he was out in fall camp for a little bit. Uh, you have Darian Green Warner as well. So you at least have bodies there. I don't see many bodies, especially a defensive tackle. Defensive end, you have some guys. You do have Welshoff who's coming into defensive tackle. But he's more of a three-tech. You don't have any true nose guards, guys who will be 300-plus pounds that can really uh, be the anchor of, of that 
interior defensive line. So honestly, I would, I would losing Benny, uh, is huge. That was the one game that Michigan couldn't lose, right? There are other right. games that I, I would consider, you know, closer to must wins. This one was you couldn't lose because this sets a trend for the future of Michigan State in state recruiting. Before it was all hope, right? What was what was the pitch to Benny? Build your brand. Well, you know what the brand is? They just had a, a true freshman wide receiver put up 200 yards against in-state Michigan, the main rival. How's that for brand? This is a true freshman who stood out, right? So, I mean, everything that Michigan State had to do to close the door on Benny there is exactly what they did. And the front seven performed pretty well for Michigan State as well. They rotated a ton. So playing time, even if Michigan's depth is super low, um, I think they showed enough there that they rotate enough at defensive tackle position for MSU that that would probably alleviate some of that for Benny as well. So, I mean, I, I just opened a pack of Starbursts and I found two yellows and that's kind of how I feel about this <laughs> recruiting situation <laughs> overall. Um, just not great. So, I mean, yes, I think you can see how Michigan's pushed very hard for Sayar Wright, O'Marion Cooper, overall, the cornerback recruiting, they've been pushing as hard as they can. But I feel like, and I don't really want to say this, but I feel like Sean Nua, if he can't close on Rooks, then what are you doing, man? Like, I don't want to be that, that uh, critical, but these are two guys that I feel like would solidify that defensive tackle class for the future. If, if we can't get Benny here, which is looking doubtful, then Rooks is at least a, uh, I, I would consider him already a necessity. Now he's the most critical person on the board by far for 2021. Yeah, I definitely see that point. Defensive line, yeah, I mean, the, the guys that they're rotating in at, at D-tackle, it, it's few and far between. They've, they've got just a few. And Ma Mazzie Smith, he has been a, a major uh, recruiting disappointment just given how high-ranked he was, and it, it seems like he's barely been able to crack the two deep. Uh, I, I've seen him out there a couple times this year already, but it's just the fact that, yeah, you're right, Donovan Jeter is going to be gone. And uh, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty on that defensive line next season, unless uh, if Donovan Jeter comes back because they do have a free year uh, this season of eligibility. So technically he would be able to come back as would Quiddy pay as would Hutchinson. But obviously uh, those two guys are more than likely gone. Quiddy pay was debating before this even happened. Um, so maybe Jeter comes back, maybe not, but yeah, uh, they're going to need a couple guys there regardless. Um, at the very least, uh, and I'll ask you this now, John is with how poorly the defensive backs played, there are two sides here that you could really go with. And with the 21 recruiting class, almost done, uh, I'll kind of shift to 22 here because they're all in on a lot of really highly talented, highly ranked guys in the 22 class. Uh, just in the top 100, they're in on several guys. Uh, obviously, in-state Will Johnson is a top priority, as is Domani Jackson out in California. If I'm one of those guys and I'm watching this Michigan game on Saturday, I'm thinking to myself, man, there is an opportunity for immediate playing time at a school that not only is good academically, but historically is good on the football field as well. And if I'm one of those guys, I'm thinking to myself, man, I could be one of those guys that, that comes in as a true freshman, plays 
significant snaps as a true freshman and really tries to help turn that defensive backfield around. Uh, John, is, would that be your similar mindset as well? Or are you kind of thinking, man, maybe I should just go to Ohio State and just get drafted in the first round instead? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the pitch that Michigan coaches are going to be making now. Uh, it's kind of the, the one pitch that most teams that are struggling can provide. But, yeah, it's hard to see because uh, you also, you know, you're a five-star top 10 player, but you also want to be developed and turn into that uh, number one draft pick, like you said. And you watch the cornerbacks today, and they just didn't even look like they were coached up. You know, a lot of dumb mistakes or technical mistakes, you know, biting on weak double moves, uh, things like that. So it's not only will you, uh, you know, have the chance to be upset in these big losses, it's also are you good? Is this the place for me to, you know, reach my potential and you know when the rivals Ohio State who's had the most defensive backs drafted in the 21st century and I don't even think it's close you know it just kind of makes the the difference more apparent so Michigan's definitely not doing themselves any favors again right after the last week when guys like Damani Jackson and Will Johnson are putting Ohio State in their bios and being all trolly on social media I, I just think it's you know throwing more fuel to the fire towards the Buckeyes and away from Michigan here. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much just what happens when you're really the, the two cornerbacks that they started off with Vincent Gray and Jamon green. uh, These are guys that in the 2018 class weren't highly regarded guys. Uh, Jamon green was one of their top targets, but he was, I want to say in the five hundreds somewhere, 300 uh, or a three-star guy in in the five hundreds, Vincent Gray, I, he was a, a the most last resort player that they could have possibly went after. Uh, he he was pretty much a guy that uh, they offered incredibly late in the cycle, and uh, he ended up committing. I want to say he was like around seven hundred. So it's not like these guys that they were recruiting to play cornerback um, are, are highly regarded players by any means. And looking at the rankings now, Jamon Green, he was at 382 and Vincent Gray was right on the money at number 700 overall. And uh, was a guy that they offered, like I said, very late. Uh, he he visited that January and ended up committing uh, just nine days after he visited uh, after, or well, it was the same day that uh, uh, he visited was when he got that offer. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just concerning here with the defensive back recruiting just in general. Uh, it, it sounded like Sammy Faustin was getting some, some run at cornerback and now he's not even seeing the field whatsoever. They put Jalen Perry in uh, on Saturday, who was a, a four-star player uh, from Georgia in the 2019 class. Uh, but he didn't really show uh, too much from me once they bench, benched Vincent Gray. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, corner recruiting, it's been heavily criticized during Zordich's time here in Ann Arbor. He's got a few good guys, like uh, Lavert Hill was a four-star. Um, uh, David Long, obviously, being the best cornerback that he recruited, uh, was a, a top 100 four-star. Uh, but they, they've definitely got to do better cornerback recruiting overall, in my opinion. And uh, if they don't reel in a few of these guys in 22, Stephen, I think it's uh, it, it pretty much just sound the alarms because uh, – as stuff is going to hit the fan pretty quick here. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm either O'Marion Cooper or Saya right in the 2021 class, I see immediate playing time just in terms of the athletic upside they both bring to that position group that I think is lacking. I don't think we saw that at play on Saturday though. That was, that was purely a technique thing. you mentioned the double moves, um, obviously some, some very bad penalties in just mental mistakes. Uh, oftentimes there's one on Jimmy green. He was in good position there. He was with the wide receiver. Um, there were a couple on Vincent Gray. He was stride for stride and then yanked down the hand of the wide receiver, right? Those, those are the athleticism was matched on most of those guys. I think Jimmy green is, uh, above average of an athlete compared to the other guys in the room. Um, so I think like, it's going to be a concern when we get to the Penn state, Ohio States of the world. And that'll definitely be a talking point there to address and where Sire Wright and, and those guys that, that athleticism makes up for any technical lapses. Um, but it's more of like a technique issue. And I think that's the biggest concern for me is what is being taught that isn't being picked up by the players, right? Because Zordich is known as a really good X's and O's and technique guy, obviously put guys in the league, but whatever he's teaching right now, it isn't holding with these players. And that's, that's a concern. If I'm a recruit, you know, how, how, how is this happening? And, and can I trust the position group? I think, yeah, I can't answer that, but I think that's uh that's the bigger concern from the output of this game specifically. But I mean, I'm with you. You, you, you need some athletes in that, in that uh, room. And I don't know if we have it to compete with the big boys just yet. Probably not. And it's, it's really going to start to, uh, really affect the future of the position with this 22 class. So we'll, we'll see if they can land any of those top guys uh, that we had already alluded to. But uh, one last thing here, and uh, we'll get to our uh, much more positive basketball segment with Anthony Broom, because basketball did land a five-star, uh, believe it or not, during uh, – or well, not during, but right before this uh, football letdown. Uh, can, can he play cornerback? Can he <laughs> – <laughs> Uh, at six foot eight, I don't know if, uh, if Caleb Houston can play, can play cornerback, but, uh, maybe left tackle. We'll see if, uh, we'll see if we can get him in on the O line, but <laughs> it would be nice. But uh, one last thing here for football and then we'll move on. But there were a few guys in town that ended up visiting for this game and a couple guys, uh, that visited for the first time. And I, I think that's huge in trying to solidify those guys in the 21 class. That's Xavier Worthy, uh, Michigan's best uh, offensive weapon in this 21 class, top 100 wide receiver. And then Christian Dixon, who is uh, another four-star a wide receiver, both those guys from California. And not only did they just come to town uh, to watch this game, uh, but on Friday they went to see Donovan Edwards play uh, at his high school, West Bloomfield. And uh, that's obviously huge news considering uh, Michigan is still in on Edwards. Not much has really been said recently in regards to his recruitment, but it seems like Michigan is at the very least a top three school for him. He released a top, I want to say seven list recently. Obviously Michigan was on that list uh, along with a few other uh, blue blood programs there. Uh, but, John, I wanted to talk to you real quick about this because them going to visit Edwards, it, in my mind, is really big just because coaches cannot physically go see him uh, during this uh, recruiting dead period because of the pandemic. So to get a few highly ranked kids that are already in the class to go see him, I think is really big. 
Yeah, I think it's usually there's not really a chance for other recruits to go see each other's games or either, you know, playing in their own games or things like that. So I think it's pretty cool that they got to go watch Donovan Edwards game, kind of build that rapport, uh, let them know that, you know, he had guys rooting for him in the stands. Um, yeah, so I think it's kind of a unique recruiting thing that usually doesn't get to, ha- to happen in a normal year. Um, so I'm glad that they found a way to get out there and uh, watch a good game in the playoffs there at Michigan. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll uh, – it wasn't the best weekend for them to visit the game for, but, you know, Worthy already affirmed on Twitter that, you know, he's not wavering or anything. And I, I honestly think mm-hmm. that the, the offense isn't – I'm not really worried much about how the offense looked. It was more concerned about the D-line and the cornerbacks that game. I think that Michigan's still showing that they can get the ball to their young – playmakers i think roman wilson blake corum and aj henning are one of some of the few bright spots uh, of the season so far so uh, michigan still has a good legitimate pitch to keep those guys in, in the fold yeah i th- i think so too um i mean they're really getting their young offensive playmakers going uh, in these games obviously blake corum has been very nice as a true freshman roman wilson has been really nice as a true freshman being a reliable a threat down the field. And they haven't really gotten him much going in the screen game. I expected them to do a little bit more of that, but they've done that with AJ Henning, who is another true freshman. And uh, with the few snaps that he's played, I think he's played really well. I would definitely be in favor of getting him more playing time just to uh, keep these offensive recruits um uh, really making sure that, hey, they're playing their young playmakers on offense and uh, that guys like Christian Dixon, Xavier Worthy, and Donovan Edwards can be a part of that moving forward uh, with all of these uh, uh, y- other young offensive players that they have. Uh, so uh, definitely good to see there. Uh, Steven, I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. Obviously, uh, they didn't just only see Edwards play. Uh, they met up with Andrell Anthony, uh, who we had kind of talked about earlier as being potentially another recruit in Michigan's class that could be affected by this loss to Michigan State. Uh, obviously, that hasn't proven to be true just yet, but the fact that uh, Xavier and Christian were able to go hang out with him and, and kind of just bond as Michigan wide receiver recruits Uh, committed recruits, even during a loss, I think could really go a long way in not only just forging that relationship, but continuing that relationship and really seeing how those guys gel when Michigan's at a down point like that, losing to your rival at home uh, in a game that they were favored by more than 20 points in. Yeah. And I think it just shows that they're bought in, right? They're part of the program. It feels like they're already players at this point. If you're visiting uh, other high schools across the country to try to get other people to come to your uh, school, that's just a good sign of, of camaraderie and, and uh, already forming that bond. So I think you, you hit it on the head there that that just shows the amount of um, I, I guess how well the, the recruit class already fits together and um taking it into their own hands, you know, obviously because coaches can't and, and doing that, that just shows how uh, bought in they are to the program. And, um, you know, that, that can only mean good things. So despite the, the negative outcome, I think there's, there's more value from seeing that from, you know, Andre Anthony's side, as well as Donovan Edwards, seeing that just from the class that you'll be a part of, right. Those are the guys you'll be with the next three, four years, however many uh, that'll be. And that's, 
you know, that should have, in my opinion, more of an impact than a single game. Now, obviously in Benny's cases, that's a little bit different with his commitment, but um, for these other guys, you know, Michigan state isn't a, a target for Donovan Edwards really. So it doesn't have as big of an effect there. So um, I think the, the impact of those guys visiting, spending time together on game day, uh, building upon that existing relationship. Um, I think that'll go a long way. And um, first time I've ever seen that. So kudos to those guys for their creativity. Yeah. Really big that they were able to do that. And yeah, I mean, definitely a creative way to be able to uh, keep things going. Uh, And, you know, I'm sure that they didn't expect uh, what happened on Saturday to happen, but you know what, at the end of the day it did and they got to just move on from it and uh, hopefully that they can continue to be committed to that class. Again, I don't know how much impact this will have on Anthony, um, but uh, definitely good for him to meet up with uh, Christian Dixon, Xavier Worthy, uh, their wide receiver class there in uh, 2021 for the Wolverines. So, uh, boys, I want to thank you very much for coming on. And, uh, you know, despite the time change, the darkness, the, the, the winter coming and the Michigan L, I had a great time talking with you. And uh, hopefully we can come back next week with some better news. But uh, uh, moving on now, I'm going to bring in uh, my good friend, Anthony Broom. We're going to ha- talk some positivity here. We're going to get some Michigan hoops recruiting in the fold. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I wanted to bring in my good friend, my boss here at Mason Brew, Anthony Broom. We got to lighten this up a little bit. We got to talk some positive uh, stuff here. As, uh, <laughs> as, as So you brought me on. So I brought in the one guy that is the shining light of our website, Anthony oh, Broom. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've talked basketball recruiting, but that's exactly what we're going to do right now uh, because Michigan's got some momentum here on uh, the recruiting trail uh, regarding uh, their number one overall class now in uh, the 2021 class. They picked up a five-star recruit. Nobody would have known it this past week, just given what happened on the football field just one day after this commitment. But five-star power forward, Caleb Houston, decided to verbally lock in his commitment to Michigan. He chose the Wolverines over other offers, uh, Alabama, was uh, really high on his list, as was Duke. He had a couple other really good offers from Michigan State, North Carolina, Tennessee, Oregon. So he was a heavily wanted recruit, obviously, because he's the number eight overall recruit on the composite. He's listed at 6'8", 205. He plays at Monteverde Academy down in Florida. And, uh, Anthony, this is a really big pickup here, uh, obviously giving Michigan the number one overall uh, recruiting class here in 21. And I think this is a really big pickup for a couple reasons, obviously to get them the momentum uh, in this recruiting class. Maybe it'll help out with a couple of those big time centers that they need uh, in this class that it would really round out this class really well. They've already got a couple forwards. They've already got a couple guards. So a big man is definitely uh, on the shopping list on, uh, on the Christmas list for Juwan Howard and company. Uh, so perhaps it'll help out with guys like Efton Reed, Charles Bediaco. Uh, but also it fills a need at that position because you've got guys like Livers, Isaiah Livers, who's going to be gone after this season, and uh, potentially Franz Wagner, who is another one of those kind of small forward guys who can defend multiple positions. So 
at the end of the day, really big pickup here for a few different reasons and uh, something that Juwan Howard must have been really excited about. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we've, we've talked about it several times here. When is Michigan going to land that elusive five-star that they've cast a wide net to get? And Houston's that guy. I mean, he's the number, like you said, number eight overall player in the country. Uh, he did reclassify from 2022 uh, down to 2021. So a, a little bit, he'll be a little bit on the younger side. But like I said, I, I mean, it, it's funny. It's not the first five-star commit. That was technically Isaiah Todd, who uh, committed to the program just over a year ago. And we know how that ended up. But I think there's a good chance it'll all be about if they get him to sign uh, again, if he signs during the early period, which I believe if I have it correct in front of me is November 11th. So not too much longer away. So if you can get him and these other guys inked and you know, now that Shondi Brown is, is eligible, you have at least one more spot open in this 2021 class to go and get one of those centers that you were talking about. So I'm glad you started with Isaiah Livers because as I've been watching uh, his game and and putting stuff together for the website, I think he's a higher, he can be a higher end version of that, or at the very least as a true freshman, be what Isaiah Livers is now. You know, he's, he's not a, you know, he's not an elite athlete. He's, he's athletic enough. I don't know if he's a great defender, but when you look at what he can do with the basketball in his hands, um, when it's not in his hands, uh, I think he might be a little bit more of a fit for this uh, class than maybe a Harrison Ingram was, who is a guy who is going to, you know, at Stanford, he'll need the ball in his hands to be successful. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case here. And when I look at the members of this class now, I see a lot of complimentary guys that can do things with the ball and do things without the ball and guys that can shoot too. That's the through line that we've talked about with all of these guys since you, know, you and I have had these chats throughout the last couple of months is that all of these guys can shoot the basketball and, you know, for as good as Michigan was offensively at times in that first year under Jawan Howard, you're just missing a little bit of that extra punch. And now you're looking at a class that ranks number one in the country right now. I'd imagine, you know, as, as other guys commit, they will probably slide a little bit unless they go out and get another five star or two. Uh, but it looks like it'll be a top five class. And, I, there's no downside to that at all. I think this is a really, really nice job. And when you go through and you look at the scholarship chart and see how much Jawan Howard has been able to turn over this roster over the last two classes with the type of players that he is with 2022 looking extremely promising as well. I mean, this is going to be one of the deepest and most talented teams in the big 10 for years to come. And it's really exciting. It, it is really exciting, and it's definitely exciting when, obviously, uh, in our past segment with football, things aren't looking too hot there. But with this, I mean, it is the complete opposite. Juwan Howard obviously had uh, a couple a couple heartbreakers there in the last cycle with Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd, you already mentioned. But, I mean, this class has the potential to be a, a very, very well-rounded class here. Uh, if, if he's able to pick up one of these top-ranked centers that he's going after. Like, I, I, obviously, I think Chet Holmgren is the farthest reach here, him being the number two overall target uh, or a player in this class. Could probably just go straight to pro ball, uh, but we'll see what happens there. But Efton Reed, Charles Bediaco, they're definitely in it for those two guys. 
And if he's able to pick up one of those guys and not have to venture out of his, uh, his realm of guys that he's already been targeting for that final center position, if he can land an Efton Reed or Charles Bediaco, this class could very well end with the number one overall class. I agree. I think it'll probably dip a little bit here once other players start committing to other programs. And uh, it's not like the number two ranked class right now is very far ahead of them. Florida State, they're just fractions of points behind Michigan at this point, not even one whole point behind. Uh, so yeah, I would imagine that they, they probably slip in the rankings a bit uh, as more classes start to get filled out. They already have five commits. Most of these other uh, schools that are in the top 10 here only have three guys. Uh, there's only one other school here that has five commits in the top 10, and that's DePaul. They have five. So Kentucky, they have three. Michigan State has three. Oregon has three. And those are a few schools there that typically end up with very highly ranked kids, uh, albeit they don't get a ton of them all at a time, but they end up usually being in that top five just based on uh, the ranking of the few kids that they get. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's very promising here uh, given uh, everything that's been going on with recruiting for basketball with this class. Already having uh, two highly ranked guards, both both kids in the top 100, uh, Frankie Collins at number 60, Kobe Bufkin at number 65, and then a few other guys that they like a lot but uh, are uh, a little bit lower of a ceiling but could end up having a high floor. I really like Isaiah Barnes a lot, even though he's outside the top 100 right now. And Will Cheddar, I know they're very high on as well. So we'll definitely see how this all plays out. Uh, but when you factor all of this in, I mean, Juwan Howard has rebounded very nicely from the Isaiah Todd and Christopher situation of last year and uh, has put together a really nice class so far in 21. And like you had kind of alluded to, 22 uh, they've got potential to really load up on some talent there, obviously, with Juwan Sunjet, who is, I believe, still a top 50 prospect, if not higher than that. Yeah, he's at 45 right now. He's kind of like right on fringe five-star status. So um, all he's, all he's really got to do is just go knock on the kid's door and say, hey, when are you going to drop? And he'll be <laughs> probably one of the first ones to drop for 2022. So Yeah, yeah. and uh, another guy that they've been very high on, Colin Smith, another forward there right outside the top 100 and there are several kids at IMG Academy that they are in on and obviously with Jet playing at IMG you would imagine that they'd be in for a few of those guys Jarris Walker being a guy uh, that is a five-star that comes to mind another forward type player uh, Jaden Bradley uh, being a point guard that plays at IMG Academy, five-star, number seven overall. So there is some real potential here, Anthony, for back-to-back -to -back top classes. I don't know if Michigan finishes with the number one class in 21, but 22, it's setting up very nicely for them to uh, to put together back-to-back -to -back really nice classes and hopefully build something here in, our, in Ann Arbor that uh, you haven't really seen a lot of recruiting-wise uh, really in a long time. Yeah, and just kind of, you know, as we were talking about, could they slip a little bit? I mean, you, you look at what's still on the board for a school like Duke. We imagine that Patrick Baldwin will probably commit to them at some point, the number one overall player in the class. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Chet Holmgren has interest from them, but again, it's early. He's probably going to go into the spring. You never know uh, in those types of things. So um, Duke has Paolo Banchero, the number three player, 
A.J. Griffin, the number six player. It looks like, I mean, the crystal balls uh, on 24-7 have them at 100% for Trevor Keels. So that's another five-star guy. So Duke will probably rise up there. I think that, um, like I said, a lot of the five stars or a lot of these elite guys, as you go through, scroll through, most of the guys that like aren't on the fence about going pro are pretty much committed. So it's yeah. going to be where those other um, options come in. So like you said, I think what comes into play next is you, you got to get a big in this, you know, with this next slot, you could have as many as two slots open, depending on what Franz does. Who knows? There could be other attrition too. Uh, but, you know, Efton Reed, I know that's the one that everyone thinks the most realistic shot is Charles Bediaco. I know he's still in the mix as well. A lot of people think eventually he will pull the trigger on Alabama. Um, the one I'm, I'm kind of interested in, because it doesn't really seem we've heard, it doesn't seem like we've heard a ton on him, is um, Musa Diabate. I believe that's how it's pronounced. He's another five-star guy. And it seems like we might be hearing some stuff on him soon. I, I don't know. It's been kind of quiet there. But yeah. again, these are recru- we're talking about the bigs now. I think those are, these are the recruitments that go into the spring. So this is where we start to see it slow down a little bit. Um, but again, you look at the scholarship board here. Um, you know, over, like I said, Caleb Houston, Frankie Collins, Kobe Bufkin, Will Shetter, Isaiah Barnes. I mean, we've talked about it before. You've got a, probably got a couple three- to four-year guys in there. Houston, I don't know if he's a one-and-done, but he's probably a two-and-done Frankie Collins, we'll see what happens with him. He's a talented guy. But it's, like I said, you, you go into 2022 and you got three spots open there right now, assuming that Jet Howard will be one of them. Mm-hmm. Just things are things are in pretty good shape right now. And I think what stands out the most about, you know, what we've learned about Jawan Howard so far is that we we've talked about a lot how the, obviously the, the recruiting approach is different. They're bringing in more elite guys than John Beeline did. And that's fine. I mean, Jawan Howard's style is that we're going to build this around talented guys and win with them. And if you, you know, we've seen that happen with schools before and the guy can't coach a lick, but I think that something I take a lot of comfort in is that I think Jawan Howard proved himself to be a pretty competent coach with kind of a mishmash of a roster last year that Michigan had, you know, some, I won't say stowaways from the John Beeline era, but um, well, leftovers, so to speak. I mean, yeah. it's not, that's not a hot take. That's that's what they technically were. And he came in, and, and you know, Eli Brooks is playing the best basketball of his career. I thought that uh, Franz Wagner was the best player, uh, you know, technically a Jawan Howard commit, but he wouldn't be there without Beeline and without Mo Wagner. I just thought all of those guys took a step forward last year, and – you know, that's what sucks so much about the pandemic is that it really feels like that that roster was rounding into shape heading into the postseason. So, um, again, they're going to be young the next couple of years, but they're going to be really talented too. And that's how you offset youth uh, in, in college basketball. So, again, I don't know if they have a ton of one-and-done t- one guys. I don't know if Caleb Houston will be that. But right now, I <laughs> – I don't know what else you can really say other than they've done a great job. And I think that they've got, they've more than proved that they have the right guy at the helm. So it's just a matter of how it comes together, how these elite guys develop and we'll go from there. And you bring in a few highly talented young guys like Hunter Dickinson and Zeb Jackson. They're going to get some run in there as well with those 
other guys that you've mentioned too. And I think it's going to be very I'm, important for their uh, development yeah. with guys like Shondi Brown and Mike Smith, another transfer guard. Um, I'm glad I, you brought that up too, because I was actually, that's where I lost my train of thought is that, you know, you look at this, what the starting lineup, we, we know what the starters will probably look like this year, but next year, if Franz leaves, you're probably looking at Frankie Collins at the one. Yeah. Uh, Kobe Bufkin at the two. Hold on. Let me pull, let me pull the chart back up. So much for being prepared. No, um, no, no. This is, this is what I live for. Being unprepared. No, I'm just kidding. No, always prepared. Come on. So you're probably looking at Frankie, you know, maybe, maybe Frankie Collins and Zeb Jackson at the one and the two. Um, you know, we'll see if Kobe Bufkin's ready to go yet. But then again, Houston's going to be that guy that plays between the three and the four. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Franz if he winds up going pro or coming back or not. But from there, that leaves you with Terrence Williams, Hunter Dickinson. It, this is going to be a lineup full of freshmen and sophomores next year. And yeah. that's where, for as much as I like this year's roster, and I think they, I think, you know, I've seen them picked eight or ninth in the Big Ten, and I definitely think that's low. I think the ceiling's much higher, especially I, I think that they've gotten, they're a little bit deeper than they were last year. But um, I think this is where I'd like to see Hunter Dickinson, Terrence Williams, Zeb Jackson get some run this year. I mean, I, I know they're they're probably nine or ten deep on the bench, uh, so it's going to be kind of tough to crack the lineup. But mm-hmm. you know, if you even get two of those freshmen, you know, maybe nine, ten, eleven minutes a game, I think that's going to be going to be huge for them because at least two of those guys are going to start next year. So we'll see what happens. Anthony, it has been lovely talking with you again. Thank you for coming on the pod this week and bringing some, some positive vibes uh, along with you. I know that football, it's been, it's been a struggle, but you know, Michigan, when it comes to basketball recruiting, things look really good. So I appreciate you coming on my friend. Thanks to you. uh, Thanks again. We are Michigan basketball and Michigan basketball recruiting blog. I've long said this. So. <laughs> that is, is that uh, in the header there at, at amazingbrew.com now? Yeah, I mean, Michigan. forget that the literal logo of the site is uh, a football poking out, the, out of the top of a mug. That's, I mean, that's ignore that. We are basketball uh, blog. It's always been this way. So. Yeah. If you have graphic design experience, please uh, Photoshop <laughs> a basketball in that mug and uh, we might consider changing it. We'll see. Or just, or just leave the mug. That's fine too. Yeah. That's all we need. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the mug at this point is, uh, is suitable. So uh, Anthony, again, I appreciate it. Uh, where can uh, all of our podcast listeners follow you on uh, the social networks? You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T broom. And you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. Be sure to give Maze and Brew a like on all of our social media platforms here, Facebook, Twitter, all of it. You know where we're at. And uh, be sure to give us five-star reviews and be sure to subscribe to all of our podcasts here as well. Anthony, thank you again. And thank you to everybody listening. We'll be back next week on Future Brew.